Good morning, Life Church Livonia. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to week five of our series, This is the Way. As we've mentioned in past weeks, This is the Way is a cultural expression in the Star Wars universe. I just gotta wonder how many of you have watched The Mandalorian since we've started this series? I bet there's a few of you, okay. Anyways, the Mandalorians, the people in the Star Wars universe, use this as the way to express a way of solidarity with one another. They live in this culture that where they're foreigners or strangers in a strange land. And this is the way clarifies resolve. It gives them strength and it gives them courage. This is the way is also a phrase that was used in biblical times by early Christians who identified themselves as followers of Jesus. They also felt like strangers in their own land, in a strange land maybe, because they were accepting Jesus as the Messiah and most of the world around them did not. <clears throat> so they identified themselves as followers of Jesus by saying this is the way. It's not all that different for us today as Christians, we find ourselves in a very similar countercultural position as well. So our goal in doing this series on all these many spiritual disciplines, practices, trainings that we've talked about is to help us understand the way of Jesus. And by doing that, we can connect with God in deeper ways. We can experience unity with him and hopefully that will bring about a deeper transformation in our own lives that then spills over into loving others and being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. So we want to follow his way when we say this is his way. So, so far we've talked about five different spiritual disciplines. Alex started us off with talking about the discipline of community and how we're not created to live in isolation, but created to live in community with one another. And that requires intention and commitment. Our second week, Nate talked to us about silence and solitude. We even had a little time of silence and solitude. And he talked about how Jesus prioritized time alone with his father. Even Jesus had to do that to keep him closely connected to God, to his mission for God, and to be attentive to the needs of others around him. And then Kate talked to us about the discipline of hospitality. I love this whole idea of helping strangers become friends and inviting them in, making room for people in our lives to experience the love of Jesus. And then last week, Alex talked to us about fasting. And I'm hoping that many of you had an opportunity to practice a little bit of fasting during this week. And if not, maybe next week will be a good time to do that. But fasting is saying no to ourselves in order to say yes to God. So these spiritual disciplines are just a few of the practices. Alex gave us a great list of many of them last week, but these are things that we can do to connect with God, maybe in some new ways that can bring new life and transformation into our relationship with Jesus. I believe the discipline that we're gonna talk about today, gratitude, um, is the on-ramp for all of these other spiritual disciplines. If we can discipline or train ourselves in this practice of gratitude, I often think of spiritual disciplines as more of like rhythms of life, this rhythm of life of gratitude, that many of the other ways of being like Jesus will follow along with that. Um, I was a high school teacher for 25 years, um, teaching special education for emotionally impaired kids. And the last 15 years or so, I did this practice with my kids that started on November 1st. So November 1st, they walk into my classroom, they get some colored paper, 
and they make a journal, bunch of line sheets in there, staple it, you know, decorate it so it's all kind of fall and Thanksgiving-ish. And we started these journals called an attitude of gratitude. My goal was to cultivate in these teenagers um, an attitude of gratitude. So we did it by doing this. Every day they had to write down 10 things that they were thankful for. Now the first day, that was a little tough. The second day, mm, still a little bit of a struggle. And as time went on, it was awesome to watch how by writing every day 10 things that they were thankful for, they suddenly started to be thinking about gratitude throughout their day, not just in the morning when I gave them an assignment. And so they begin to come into school ready to write down some things that were part of their gratefulness in their own hearts. So after they would write their 10 things in their journals, we'd all go out to the hallway, had this beautiful, gigantic bulletin board outside of my classroom, which was very conveniently placed for this activity. We'd all go out there and collectively, we would write our list up on the board. And that was awesome in many ways, because now it wasn't just each person's own little list of gratitude, but they were being inspired by each other. They would get ideas from each other. And guess who else got ideas? The people that are walking down the hall, classes that are going by, teachers that are going by, social workers that are going by. Everybody couldn't help but stop and look at what the kids were doing, talking about things they're grateful for and reading those lists throughout the day. The teachers actually loved it when um, their names would show up in the list. Like it was great, could I be in the top 100 or the top 50 or maybe the top 10, right? Like what a great incentive to be a great teacher so your name gets to the top of the gratitude list. But this created a buzz of excitement around the school, around this theme of gratitude. Our goal was to come up with a thousand things by Thanksgiving break. And these kids would take these books home and give them to their families as a Thanksgiving gift, which was always astonishing for some parents to have their kids have thought of hundreds of things they're thankful for. But um, you know what? Every year they reached their goal. Every year we came up with a thousand things they were thankful for. It reminded me of this old hymn in the church I grew up in that we'd sing regularly called A Thousand, A Thousand Thanksgivings. I bring blessed Savior to thee. So this was an attempt to create that culture and the attitude, and it was powerful to watch it happen because an attitude of gratitude is powerful and it's contagious. I love this time of year because of that. There's this cultural leaning toward thinking about gratitude, and it's often at the forefront of our minds. But it's also quite possible that maybe gratitude is not at the forefront of our minds at this time of year. There's, it may be likely that we're engaging more in complaining and grumbling or fault finding and discontentment at this time of year. And it's very, very easy for all of us to get stuck in those places. It's easy to grumble, to complain, to be discontent about many things. One example would be prices. I can hardly go to the grocery store without coming home going, ah, I can't believe how much food costs. Inflation is going crazy. It's so much to put gas in my car. We might be complaining about long lines, whether it's holiday shopping lines, maybe it's a drive-through line at the bank or a drive-through line at a fast food place that just isn't going fast enough and it brings out the best Scrooge in all of us, right, waiting in line. Maybe we're grumbling and complaining about busy schedules, you know, we live as though our schedule controls us instead of remembering that we can control our schedule. That's frequently a point of grumbling and complaining, our busy schedules. 
Maybe you are grumbling and complaining about physical ailments. The older I get, the more I'm like, ooh, these aches and pains, I'm feeling them, you know, and not unusual to be with a group of friends and we're all talking about where our aches and pains are, right? And then maybe, just possibly, some people here might be complaining about road construction. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? 275, 96, 94, 75, 23. I mean, who decided to fix all of the highways at once, right? And it's years. It's like years that this is going to happen. And so instead of thinking, oh, this would be so great to have new roads, we'll make life so much easier and better, we're like grumbling and complaining. Maybe this past week during Thanksgiving, you were disappointed with a family member. Maybe you were irritated by that sibling who always knows just which buttons to push. Maybe your grumbling may have been the prominent emotion at the end of your Thanksgiving day rather than gratitude and possibly for some very reasonable reasons. Times with family or the absence of family can be really challenging. It's also easy to find times and easy opportunities to grumble about our work and our coworkers. So what's the culture of your workplace for those of you who work outside the home? Is it someplace, some of you may have jobs that you love. You love your job, you feel a great sense of purpose, you love your boss, you love your coworkers. And if that is the case, you have been given such a gift. And I really encourage you to thank God for that beautiful gift. Some of you, others of you might be working in a very stressful, toxic, difficult work environment. And that's a great way to steal your joy and make gratitude something very difficult and sometimes feel like it's just out of reach. Our culture, I believe, very intentionally breeds discontentment. Part of that is hoping us to convince us that, hoping to convince us that we need to buy more that we need to spend more in the holidays than our budget will actually allow us, that there's a focus on bigger and better, better and wanting more, not being content with what we have. And then of course, there's the negative, destructive impact of social media that breeds comparison and discontent and invites criticism and steals away our gratitude. These things and many more eat at us all year long, but I think a lot of that is heightened during this holiday season. But this temptation toward ingratitude, it's really nothing new. And it's not new to just our culture or American culture. We see it all over the pages of the Bible and scripture. There's murmuring, there's complaining, there's discontentment in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see the Israelites complaining in the desert. We're hungry. Let's go back to Egypt. Where's the water? We need a better leader, right? They have all kinds of things to complain about. We see the crowds and the Pharisees complaining about Jesus. And we even see Jesus' closest followers, his disciples, complaining to him because he values some things and prioritizes things that they don't agree with. He prioritizes children and women and tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and spends time with them like, Lord, like we're the Jewish people, come on. And they're missing the mission, right? They're complaining to him because they don't understand. In all of these examples, we see how ingratitude erodes people's relationship with each other and it erodes the relationship with God. 
We see these negative and destructive things even in our own relationships. When our own heart is filled with ingratitude, we get stuck. We get stuck in our relationship with God. We get stuck in our relationship with others. So, how do we change that? Well, my friends, that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? So, before we open God's Word, would you just pray with me for a moment and... Um, and let's go before him together, okay? Lord, we confess that our hearts are so often filled with grumbling and complaining and ingratitude. We can miss your goodness, Lord, and it's all around us. So as we open your word today, may my words be your words. May your spirit open our eyes to see you, to hear you. And to respond to you, Lord, so we can become more like you, become signs of your love and hope in this world all around us. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet, sweet gift of your presence with us now. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at three questions today that are going to guide us in finding the answer. The first is, what is gratitude biblically? How does Jesus practice gratitude? And how do we practice gratitude? So what is gratitude? The Greek word for gratitude is Eucharisto. I love that. I love that that is the word for gratitude because this is where we get the word Eucharist, which some of us would call communion, celebration, where we share the body and blood of Jesus. We do that regularly at Life Church Livonia. We're going to do it again today, right? And that's where you have the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, remembering the death of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. And in the Eucharist, we recognize that God has given us his very self for our freedom. And that will bring us to our definition of gratitude, which is this. Gratitude, or Eucharisto, is recognizing God as our gift giver. We recognize that all things come from him. It amazes me when I'm at a, a beach or an ocean and I can see the sunset and everybody's taking pictures of the sunset. I mean, everybody who's got a camera, they're out, right? Taking pictures of this beautiful gift of creation, the sunset. They're all appreciating it. And whether they recognize God as the gift giver or not, his beauty and love is just all around us every single day. But when we stop to say thank you and say, wow, look at this beauty that God has done. We're acknowledging God as the gift giver. Gratitude moves us from appreciation of something into a relationship with someone, ultimately with God. The greatest gift that God gave us is Jesus right in the flesh. One of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, which actually means God with us. In his book, The Joyful Journey, neuroscientist and theologian Jim Wilder and four others introduced this concept that they call eyesight. And the I in eyesight stands for Emmanuel, the belief that God is present, he is truly good, and he perseveres in doing good for us. Gratitude opens the door for us to have eyesight, to see God's presence, to see his goodness, to know that he perseveres with us. God gave us his ultimate gift in Emmanuel. Where are you in your life right now? 
Where might you need some eyesight to see God? Where do you need to see Emmanuel as your gift giver? Maybe you're in the midst of a circumstance or a situation where you're really struggling to see God as God's goodness and you're really struggling to see his presence with you. So as we look at this example of Jesus, I want you to be open to how God's spirit might be inviting you, inviting me to see him at work in a new way in our life today. So how does Jesus practice gratitude? The Bible is filled with prayers of thanks to God, spoken by Jesus um, by himself, but also in front of the disciples and also in front of crowds. And in those prayers, he always recognized God's presence and, he, and his goodness, and then he spoke it aloud for everybody to hear it. We see it repeatedly through the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament. They're, there are four different people who wrote about the life of Jesus, and the same stories will often appear in multiple Gospels. And some of those stories, two of them that we see repeated frequently, are the feeding of the 4,000, 4,000 people, actually plus 4,000 men, plus women and children, came to hear Jesus teach. Another occasion, 5,000 people plus came to hear Jesus teach. And in both of those situations, there wasn't enough food to feed them all. But there was a few loaves of bread, a few fish. And so in each one, we see Jesus give thanks for this provision of food, this little provision of food, before he breaks the fish and the bread and disperses it to the crowd. And, and I love the feeding of the 5,000 because it illustrates so many of these spiritual practices and disciplines that we've been talking about so far. You see, in these situations, Jesus is practicing hospitality. He's treating strangers as friends, and he's calling them, caring for them, taking care of their needs and meeting their needs and feeding them. And then he's doing it in community with his disciples, reaching out and taking care of these people. And together, they got to see miracles happen. The people present were also hungry. They've been fasting, intentionally or not. They were there listening to Jesus not worrying about what they're going to eat, but just sitting and listening with him all day long. And when he prayed and he publicly thanked God for the few resources that they had, you know what happened? They all knew that this food came from God. They knew that it was God who multiplied the little to give them much. Later in the Gospels, we see Lazarus or Jesus praying when he raises Lazarus from the dead. And that's a beautiful prayer because he reveals to the crowd the goodness and the power and the glory of God. But the scripture I want to zoom in on today is from Luke 24. So let me set the stage for you. It's after the death and then the resurrection of Jesus. Two of his disciples are walking down this road in a journey to a place called Emmaus. And they're grieving that their hopes and their dreams for the Messiah have just died with Jesus' death. They're confused. They're trying to process their fear and their grief. And they're talking to each other all about it. And while they're walking and talking, the resurrected Jesus, unbeknownst to them, starts walking alongside them and asking them what they're talking about. They explained to him all the events that had just taken place, that their hoped-for Messiah, who they had dedicated the last three years of their life to following him, had now been crucified 
days earlier, and now his body is gone. And there's some reports that he was alive, but they didn't really understand what was going on. And they're feeling so much grief and loss. I want us to see something really important here in this passage. These disciples are in a dark place of confusion, grief, hurt, loss, and fear. Emmanuel, God with them, shows up and is literally walking alongside them as they process their pain. Yet they can't see God's very presence with them because they're blinded by what they don't have. The fulfillment of their hopes and their dreams and what they expected life with Jesus to be like. But the story doesn't end there because Jesus does something to give them back their eyesight, their Emmanuel sight. So we're going to pick up in Luke 24, verse 30. After this long journey together, it's the end of the night. They invite Jesus to stop and stay with them and have dinner. So then it says in Luke 24, when he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The turning point at which they began to see God was with them was when Jesus gave thanks. Gratitude literally was the doorway to their eyesight and their eyesight, Emmanuel's sight. Their three years of following Jesus, living in community with him, were filled with this practice of Jesus always giving thanks before breaking bread with his disciples. It wasn't just the prayer or the breaking of the bread. It was the routine. It was the rhythm. It was the habit of expressing gratitude to God that Jesus had modeled and taught them how to do. The way that Jesus broke the bread, the inflection in his voice, the spirit with which he said, thank you, Father. That's what opened their eyes. When he gave thanks, now they couldn't help but recognize him. Jesus gave thanks so often in community with them that they picked up on all the nuances of the way that gratitude looked in his life and flowed out from him. Can that be said of me? Can that be said of you? Do we give thanks so regularly? Do I give thanks so regularly that the people closest to me could recognize me by my gratitude to God as my gift giver? This is the way of Jesus. It's ev is it evident in my life? We, like these disciples, can be slow of heart. Jesus said to them on the road, you're slow of heart. Don't you still understand? When our hearts are heavy, we have impaired vision of Jesus actually walking right with us. Our eyesight is blurred. This Emmanuel story highlights how God can be walking with us and speaking to us and we can't see it. When they stopped walking, when they stopped talking, and when they listened, sounds a little bit like silence and solitude that we heard with Nate. When those things happened, they stopped walking, stopped talking, and they listened. They saw Jesus, 
their eyesight was restored. They were filled with gratitude and the whole course of their life changed. Everything changed for them after that moment. They'd met the risen Savior. Doubt and uncertainty was replaced with purpose and mission. Hopelessness was replaced with hope. Grief was replaced with joy. This act of giving thanks opened their eyes to Jesus, the powerful risen Savior, right in their midst. So how did Jesus practice gratitude? Be it in front of a crowd, at a table with friends, or on his own. Jesus simply stopped, acknowledged, and honored God as the gift giver. It's that simple. So, how do we practice gratitude? Well, let's do what Jesus did. Let's slow down our lives. Let's stop to recognize the good gifts of God all around us. Let's say a prayer of thanks, whether we're by ourselves or with others. It may be as simple as having regular rhythms or practices of prayer Every time you start your day or you eat a meal and all throughout your day, just stopping and noticing the gifts of God all around us. Like my students did, you could make a list, keep a journal, right, of all the things you're thankful for. But I'd encourage you, don't let it just be that. Say it out loud in front of other people. Tell them things that you're grateful for. Alex and I try to every day talk about at least 10 things that we're both grateful for and it's such it's been such a good practice for us to start doing this because you know what it gives glory to god at the dinner table each night a lot of you may already be doing this with your families but i would encourage you to have everybody share something that you're thankful for in your day where did you see god show up today one thing you're grateful for even kids can do this even little kids can do this your grandkids can do this do these things to create this attitude of gratitude. But we want to keep the focus not just on things we appreciate, but make it be gratitude where we're recognizing God as the giver of these things that we appreciate. These simple habits of gratitude have proven to be life-changing. There's psychological studies that would say that that aren't even about Christianity. But for our time today, I want to teach you a practice that you may be unfamiliar with. I love to teach you how to combine gratitude with silence and solitude that Nate spoke to us about, and it's called interactive gratitude. I want you to get comfortable where you're sitting at home. I want you to close your eyes and take a deep breath. Pay attention to your breathing. Relax those tight muscles and be silent recognizing that you are in the presence of Almighty God who loves you so much. Imagine that it's just you and God right now. Just you and God. I want you to give thanks to God for something very specific. Think about that before the Lord. And now I want you to think about another thing. And another thing. I want you to imagine before you this parade of thankfulness. 
a parade of things that you are thankful for, all passing right before you as you thank him. Take a minute and just think about that parade of thankfulness. When we slow down and we spend this time in silence, now I want you to listen and perceive how do you think God is responding to your gratitude. Keep your eyes closed. Stay in that space with him. This parade of thankfulness, but how do you think God is responding to your heart of thanks? What's his expression toward you? What is his posture toward you? I'd like you to take a few moments, if you have pencil and paper nearby, and you can do it later if you want. But I want you to journal about the way that you experience God responding to your gratitude. When someone thanks you for something you've done for them, what does that stir in you? Joy, delight, connection with them? God is responding to your heart of gratitude to him. I want you to write down how that feels. This kind of interactive writing, this builds and strengthens our eyesight, our Emmanuel sight, our recognition of the presence of God, not just appreciating what he does for us, what he's doing for us, who he is to us, but giving thanks and building that relational bridge with him. We want to speak to him, and we want to listen to his response. This is the beauty of the practice of silence combined with the practice of gratitude. It's a beautiful form of prayer that's really a dialogue between us and God and not just a monologue from our side only. So often prayer couldn't become just a way for us to always be telling God things. Um, whether it's good things, whether it's intercessions, whether it's telling him our needs, but it can be very monologue in one way, and we're not stopping to listen. But when we take time and we talk to God and listen, it's a different kind of connection and relationship. This monologue conversation with God um, causes us to miss out on so many things. We miss God as the giver of peace in all situations. We miss knowing that we're never alone, like those disciples in the road to Emmaus. They were talking, they were processing, they weren't listening. We're missing transformation and we're missing God's heart for us. God's inviting you and I into a deeper relationship with him, a deeper knowing of him, a deeper recognition of his presence in our lives, and it starts with gratitude, seeing him, recognizing him, and saying thank you. In closing, you know, this week we begin the celebration of Advent, the Christmas season. And this is the celebration of Jesus' birth, God himself putting on flesh to become among us, Emmanuel. And by being with us, he gives us the gift of forgiveness for our sins. 
He gives us hope and belief that his love is more powerful than the destruction, the wickedness, the illness, the pain, the problems of sin and this life that the earth, the earth has all around us. When Jesus came to earth, Emmanuel came to earth, he defeated sin and death, he took our punishment from sin, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, and he rose again three days later and opened this opportunity for us to have this intimate relationship with him that is meant to renew this world that's not just about us, but it pours out of us to this world all around us and show others this way, his way, that's so different. And then as a bonus, he gives us not just fullness of life with him now, but eternity in heaven. That is the gift of hope. And when he left this earth, he left us his spirit, his indwelling presence that even the disciples didn't have. So because of the Holy Spirit, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe this gift, this gift of Emmanuel, God with us is something you have never received before and thanked God for. It's the ultimate gift. God himself has been pursuing you long before you even heard of him, before you were born. He longs to walk alongside you to give you hope and give you the gift of his presence. He wants you to have eyesight, Emmanuel's sight, to see his ways, to experience his forgiveness, his deep meaning and purposes for your life and to let you join him in bringing that hope to the world. If you've never received that gift from God, can I invite you to pray with me right now? Because Jesus is saying, I have this here for you. Will you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you became Emmanuel, God with us. Our hearts are full of gratitude because, Lord, um, you made a way. You, you brought forgiveness. You love us as we are. You're walking alongside us, helping us to learn your way. Thank you for your constant presence with us. Thank you for the new life you want to give to us. And Lord, I just confess to you that I need you, Lord, in my life. I want you. I want to have sight of who you are, this giver of good gifts alongside me, Lord. Whether circumstances are easy or hard, wonderful or difficult, God, your presence is with me, and that's the gift you give. And Lord, I want that. I want to say yes to following you. And Lord, for those of us who've been following you for a long time, but Father, we get so caught and stuck and grumbling and discontentment and complaining and it steals our joy it blurs our eyesight our Emmanuel sight Lord cleanse us from that restore and renew our hearts help us to see you afresh help us to walk with you to say yes to you to notice you Lord to recognize you and to give you thanks and may that gratitude refresh and renew our lives and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to receive Jesus today, or you said, Lord, I'm going to start new. I've been grumbling and complaining, and I want, to, I want to get rid of that, Jesus. I want to walk with you. Would you just let us know by filling out your comment card online? 
you can go to the website and you can click on the comment card and send that information to us because we want to walk alongside you. We want to do community with you. We want to invite you in, do hospitality with you, and help you experience the love and transformation of Jesus. So thank you for being with us this morning. We encourage you to follow his ways. If there's any way that we can be of help to you, make sure you fill it out in your comment cards so we can walk along with you. Have a great Advent season. See you soon.